Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. This is a 30-minute show dedicated to sharing an inside perspective of the Epicurean world here on Nantucket Island. You will hear from those voices who've helped create and represent this fascinating place. And lastly, we hope to educate on wine, healthy cooking, and the agricultural and sustainable community here on island. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is Camille Broderick, host of Camille's Demi Hour. And we are in the studio today with Matt Jennings. He is a great chef from Boston. And he is also here for the book festival because of his recent new cookbook, which has won acclaim across the country. Best cookbook on the um, LA Times list and as well as his famous restaurant, Townsman. So welcome, Matt. Thank you. Awesome to be here. It's awesome to have you here. Let's start with talking about this weekend and how the book festival was. It was great. The book festival was just a really cool opportunity to kind of get out and meet people who've been reading my book, Homegrown, which was really, uh, and I think an important thing for authors, right? Because like so often I think, well, I say so often as I know, like this is my first cookbook, so I don't (laughs) have any idea. But my inclination is to think that as authors, we are behind a book and behind a story, and it's kind of in the sense very similar to a kitchen that you're back there and you're creating something and you send it out into the ether and you never really get feedback on how it's doing or what it is. So it's very much like being a chef in that way because we're constantly sending dishes out and don't necessarily hear back on yeah. how they are or true experiences from the guest because um, I don't think Yelp is exactly a a true representation of, 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 you know, um, reviews. So, so it was really cool for me to be able to come out here and, and, you know, meet with people and see the book activated and do a couple of events and, uh, of course be back in Nantucket. Yeah. So you do have some connection to the Island. Do you want to share your story about yeah, your Nantucket so I, culinary I, background? Yeah, definitely. I, this was actually the first place that I, I ever really got into food. I think it, it probably very much shaped my young life as a cook. Um, My first job was folding papers and stocking shelves uh, at the Sconset Market, uh, which then parlayed into uh, a job as a prep cook at the Sconset Cafe after tugging on Mark Donato's shirt enough times to ask him to let me in that kitchen. Um, So that's kind of how it all got kicked off for me. And then that segued into some time at the Summer House and I was the sous chef at West Creek Cafe for a while, for people who remember that, and then moved into town and worked at 21 Federal for a number of years and was the sous chef there. So I really, a lot of my formative kind of culinary, well, life experiences and culinary experiences happened here on Nantucket. So in your bio, it talks about your family really embracing the food culture and your mom having gardens. And so you had this experience here when you were younger, but I think so much has to do with your upbringing. Uh, Tell us more about what it takes to embrace a food culture as a young child. Yeah, well, I mean, I think my parents always really appreciated great food. And I was fortunate because I grew up in a household where my mother was kind of this, you know, uh, 60s dropout ex-hippie who liked to do her own pickling and canning. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, she liked to bake. She liked to make her own pickles and did canning and, you know, made her own yogurt and like all that kind of fun stuff. Mm Uh, and my dad was a landscape architect, so he was always tending the gardens, and we had beautiful vegetable, you know, oh, gardens and lovely. stuff growing up. Uh, so when they were together, up until I was about five or six, and then they split. But I, there's certainly a lot of kind of community and family that was built around the table. Right. Yeah. Is there a lot of that in Homegrown? The book is about New England cuisine and what it was like for you to experience that upbringing and cooking here in New England. 
Do you talk about that perspective, too, about being at the table? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, New England is such an intrinsic part of who I am as a human being, let alone a cook or a chef or a writer. I've tried to move away many times and New England always calls me back for whatever reason. I think people who are from New England kind of know, like know exactly what I'm talking about. I've lived, been able, you know, fortunate enough to been able to live all over the world um, and let alone the country. And, you know, I can be someplace for up to a year and two years. Then I'm like, I really miss New England. So I end up coming back. And um, most recently, that's that's what happened with kind of my move back to, you know, Rhode Island, which was, you know, 14 years ago. And then uh, and then now recently Boston within the last five years. So it's always a place that is called to me and I think has an incredible devout food culture that is just part of it, uh, which is really, I think, appealing as a cook. We don't benefit from a long growing season here like other places in the country, California, Florida, or more temperate climates. But as a chef and somebody who appreciates produce and ingredients, when when the season does come, it's like this torrid love affair you know, and everybody's scrambling so to get the first, yeah, yeah, like the, the first asparagus first of the season <laughs> yeah. and the first day. And you see all these chefs like, you know, competing to get the first of whatever. And I think there's something about that culture that's like really yeah. amazing, yeah. you know. But I did want to ask quickly about New England cuisine compared to Southern West Coast. Uh, why do you think it's so special, maybe even on an international level? Well, I mean, I think it's it's right there with, uh, you know, kind of the, the historied, you know, respected food cultures of the world. I mean, I think the South has obviously really been having its moment right now to shine over the last, you know, 10 years. But it's really, you know, what's fascinating to me is that New England has always been right there, you know, right in the pocket. We have the same history. We have, well, not the same history, but we have the same amount of food culture and history, I think, as anywhere else in the world. So, you know, that's something that we kind of weave into some of the storytelling that we do through food. Um, whether it's doing kind of explorations of things that I grew up with, like brown bread, mm-hmm. you know, out of the can, which is a very kind of New England, Boston thing, to smoked bluefish pate, which is, you know, another favorite that I grew up with that my mom made, but that also has history to, you know, the kind of coastal region of New England. Uh, I mean, there's so many, so many mm-hmm. things that we can kind of pull on the heartstrings of all these different yeah. stories and use them to, to create menus and stuff. Yeah, that we don't even think about have so much connection and actual stories behind them. Yeah. So you were recently awarded 40 under 40 big thinkers in the food industry by Food and Wine magazine. What kind of questions do they ask you and what makes you a big thinker? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the uh, criteria was necessarily for judging uh, that. Uh, You know, I think I just try to be thoughtful in everything I do. I don't always have, like any human being, I don't always have all the right answers or, you know, pretend to know necessarily or be an expert in uh, certain areas more than anybody else. But the best thing that I can do is tell my story. And I think that chefs have a great opportunity to be able to, you know, be storytellers. I think it's like at our ultimate best, that's how we should be perceived because we can only tell a story that's as interesting as the products that we begin with. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's a really kind of interesting, unique relationship there. So in order to be a big thinker, I don't know what qualifies me, but I, but I like to think that there's some sort of kind of respect out there for people who have relationship to product as well as guest and customer and can speak to those, you know, relationships and and food on food as a whole. You know, for me, food has always been about people. It's always been about story. It's always been about relationships. I think, you know, I got into this business because I like to make people happy Mm -hmm. and hospitality has always been something that's really important to me. And I think that food just ended up being the catalyst for that. It could have been anything, you know, as an artist for a long time, still am, um, that's another way for me to connect with people. You know, I'm a musician. That's another way for me to connect with people. And for 
whatever reason, food kind of became the the thing. Well, you have a lot of talents, and uh, I wonder how the modern day chef balances their life sometimes. Because in my restaurant background, which is close to 20 years, which is crazy to say, I've seen chefs be in the kitchen 24-7, and then I've seen chefs out of the kitchen opening restaurants and branding themselves. And now they're sort of coming back into the kitchen and being there as a presence, knowing the importance both for the morale of the team to the importance of the guests and having that presence there. What shifts have you seen in the branding of a chef? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I, it's it's funny now. I look at the business and I realize that I'm the old guy. You know, like I've been doing this for 25 years, and I'm kind of like, oh my god, like I'm competing with you know kids that are opening restaurants who are like you know 22, 24, like I was when mm-hmm. I opened my first restaurant. Um, that's kind of a trip to like all of a sudden have that realization. Somehow I'm still relevant for right now, for today. You know, yeah. tomorrow could change, and I think that you know us as kind of older chefs who've been around for a long time, I think either consciously or unconsciously you're trying to find a way to stay relative, right? Like right. That, that has to be a part of, of the business. But, you know, I think that authenticity is kind of when, you know, is really kind of the story that I try to tell. Okay. You know, I'm just like authentic to myself. Which um, is ageless. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I hope to some degree, I hope. I mean, I think like I just try to, to, to make good food and I don't think it has to be difficult. I don't think it has to be challenging for people. I don't think it has to be, you know, have... Uh, a great pomposity to it. I think it just really needs to be delicious and fun and engaging. Like for me, that's what food is, you know, and that's what the book is, you know, homegrown is really built on recipes that are delicious, but also achievable. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the book to get spilled on and dusted with flour and like handed down to the next generation. I didn't want like a chefy coffee table book, but you know, now for me as a chef in this business, I've had a lot of life changes recently and I've kind of been going through this moment where I'm thinking about what the, what the, long game is. And those are conversations that happen in our house all the time. You know, my priority list has shifted. You know, I think when I was a young chef, it was all about making a name for myself and winning awards. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very ego driven. And now I kind of look at the ability that I have to adapt and be a leader in the industry in a different way, you know, and kind of contribute to the conversation and in in a different way. So if you're just listening, you are hearing the voice of chef Matt Jennings from Townsman in Boston, Massachusetts. He just released an amazing cookbook called Homegrown, and he was here for the book festival. And we're just talking about what it's like to be a chef today. And so the balances of, of extending yourself and trying to be a leader and a teacher, what do you think is important to teach young chefs today? Because a lot's changed. You, you don't work 14 hours a day necessarily anymore. People don't really get away with it or they don't want They know that the, it's not healthy. What advice would you give to young young chefs who really need to, to strive and, and compete with others? Yeah, I mean, I think others. the culture is changing so much. We're in, a, we're in a time right now where the culture changes every day. You know, it's really like, I mean, I, I say that as an, as an exaggerated statement, but it's kind of true. Like in the digital age, trends are alive one minute and dead the next, and then they're constantly changing. And, and I think that it's really fascinating to watch. You know, for, for me, like, I have a very young team currently and something that I'm trying to constantly empower them to do is to have a 10,000 foot view. I think it's a really important thing in the kitchen and especially as you're, you're growing and learning and becoming a, a chef to what I mean, what I mean by that is kind of be able to have a top down look at everything that's going on around you. I think, you know, as cooks, we get kind of entrenched in this idea and this concept that it's like us and our cutting board and you kind of put blinders on and you just go, you just get through the day, whatever's on your list, you just grind it out and you do it. 
And I think that cooking is so much more than that. It's so much more not just what you deliver to the restaurant on a tangible kind of, you know, prep list or work, you know, based level, but it's how you relate to the people that are around you, you know, Mm -hmm. how you develop relationships in the workplace, how you treat each other. And ultimately, like the more investment uh, that you can give to that process, the better off the guest is going to be because that stuff is totally trickle down. And so I try to teach my team constantly that it's hard because I think a lot of us are in the mindset that we give everything that we have to the guests, right? And and all of our hospitality goes to the guests, when in reality, we need to save some of that for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. And we need to treat ourselves right. We need to treat the people that are on our teams right. Because mm-hmm. if the kitchen culture isn't healthy, then neither is the service in the restaurant. You know? Yeah, I feel like it's always a team. I mean, some of the best restaurant experiences I've had have just been the way everyone's synchronized. Mm-hmm. And it's just this respect level, but healthy competitive level. Yeah. So you've also had some, you were mentioning earlier, some personal changes in your life. I mean, you've had a serious weight loss yeah. and your health has been a priority for you and has kind of shifted your perspective and philosophy maybe on cooking. Yeah, you know, I went through some major life changes a couple of years ago, kind of hit a gutter moment. Food has always been like a crutch for me. I've always relied on it in times that are challenging or difficult, and I've always turned to food. And, you know, indulgence is always was always a thing with me. Uh, You're not but, the only one, my friend. No, I know, I know. I mean, you know, I, it's, still, it's still a thing to me. I walk by a case of, you know, bakery case, and I'm like, oh, hello. Oh, gosh. Um, but no, it's 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 always been there, you know, and I think that's the thing is it's always been around. And so it, it quickly became easy for me to just use it as a way to vent. Right. And so I had ballooned up to about 400, almost 400 pounds. I was drinking a lot. Um, I was doing other bad things, um, mm-hmm. just not treating my body uh, with with respect. And I think, you know, you do that for long enough, you kind of begin to, again, like I was talking about earlier, you're giving everything that you have to the guests and to the restaurant and to your team, but nothing back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of finally had a gutter moment and uh, came back from a, a show I was doing in, in New York and walked into the kitchen and I said to my wife, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I feel terrible. Um, I'm exhausted. I want to feel better. Feel and, better. And, and it affects everybody. It affects my team and everything. So I went through the process of changing my life, you know, via a bunch of different things and, and you know, changed my diet, quit drinking. And it's just been amazing. It has changed. You know, I mean, my, that's easier said than done. That's yeah. a challenge to really boomerang back and to realize that your body is a temple, as, the, as yeah. they say. And to, like you said, you weren't treating yourself right. It's not even a matter of like a weight issue per se. It's just how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, it's, it's mindfulness, right? Yeah. And like trying to kind of pay attention to how you live your life in the moment. At this point, I've lost about 170 pounds. I haven't had a drop to drink in two years, which is actually good for the world as it is for me <laughs> um, because I was always a too excess guy all the time. I was fun. I was a good drunk, but I was, but I was, you know, <laughs> well, you made it this far, but it, it was aggressive. It was aggressive. Um, so, uh, you know, so now it's about just kind of trying to maintain a lot of that momentum. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've fallen in love with fitness again and I just realized like how, like I was just, I was out for a run yesterday on uh, South Shore Road mm-hmm. and I was on my run on my way back. I, it was like probably mile four or five. And I just started thinking to myself like that, like, like mindfulness, healthfulness, you know, mind body, kind of a commitment to all that stuff is like the root of everything. Like it is so important and we just don't think about it, you know, and I don't know how I live so long in black and white without realizing that if I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling healthy and I'm not, you know, I'm putting some sort of physical, you know, exertion out there in the world. Like I feel terrible yeah. and everybody around me feels terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of this new trip I'm on and well, I, I enjoy it. I can join you in the sense that there's an exchange of energy. It's like, yeah. you, you're not just a witness to everything in the world. You're actually an exchange. Yep. You, you integrate into what's 
what's going on around you. Totally. And, and there's positivity there and or negativity. And so it's really important that when you kind of step out of yourself and just see more, maybe that 10,000 foot view yep. perspective that you say that you have in the philosophy in the kitchen is really important. Yeah. I think a chef is a really hard job. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You have to have a lot of skills. You have to be organized, a team leader, creative, very disciplined. And although I think at the same time, like the definition of that word chef is changing. Like we're in a time right now where that can be defined in different ways. Like it's an awesome time to be in this business. We've never lived in a more rich, complex moment with regards to the quality and the availability of food in our country. I feel lucky that I am in this profession at this time period in history. I really do. And it comes up often on the show that we're in this renaissance of food and wine and to be a witness to it and to see it. But from your perspective, what have you seen change over the past 20 years in regards to access to great food and sustainable food? Your Mother Nature Network's most sustainable chef, someone said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So how does that affect your culinary philosophy? Yeah, well, I think access has, has opened up so much from when I was a young cook. You know, in fact... When I was kind of coming up in the in you know in the in the world, we didn't even really talk or know about a lot of the issues surrounding sustainability. And now it's kind of become you know not yeah, just a catchphrase, but like yeah. the norm, right? And it's like if you're not operating in sustainable ways as a as a restaurant, or trying to, right? or trying to, or attempting to, mm-hmm. you're kind of seen as not putting on the good fight. So I think you know now that it's uh, the 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 consciousness right there's an availability to the consciousness of what's working sustainably means so i think people are certainly striving to do that and i think that's you know i think that's great we see that from people who are sourcing in in certain ways to i mean this thing with straws i mean look at this thing right like I oh, went, apparently we can't have uh, huh. plastic straws on the island no more pla- I, I, have, yeah. I have an iced coffee sitting in front of me right now that yeah. has a paper straw which is yeah. You know, respect. Like, I yeah. get it. I hate paper straws. They drive me nuts because they, like, turn into, they like, turn mush, into mush in your mouth. They turn into mush by the time. But I get it. You know, I get yeah. it. And, like, as a business, I get that decision. And I think, like, it's things like that. And obviously, that's, like, a silly example. But, like, there's a million little opportunities that we have like that as operators to kind of look at ourselves and say, what are we doing? And mm-hmm. are we doing it in a way that, you know, is is right? And we are in this renaissance. I think we're going to look back in 20 years from now at this time in the history of food culture in the U.S. and kind of be like, wow, that was an amazing moment, you know? Yeah. If you're just listening, I'm speaking with Chef Matt Jennings from Townsman in Boston, a fantastic chef, and just finished his first cookbook called Homegrown. One thing that I've started to notice, too, is that a lot of people aren't cooking at home enough. A lot of people go out, and it's very social, and it's very awesome because there's so many great restaurants out there. I mean, I started the show because of all the great restaurants and chefs that are on this island. However, I still think there should be a return to knowing how to cook because at the heart of it, I think that's sort of where we connect with people and being at the table and making a meal for someone. I mean, that's how you started. That's yep. where you started becoming a chef. What do you think about the importance of learning to cook at home? Ultimately, I think the best answer I can give you to that question is that food is community, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like never more in our lives, and certainly with just the times that we live in right now, uh, have we needed that sense of community, right? Like I feel like, and I was talking about this yesterday in the demo that I did at Nantucket Culinary is that I feel like the more entrenched that we get as a civilization into the digital age and into what's happening with globalization, we also have this calling to like sit down at a table together Mm -hmm. and like literally break bread together Mm -hmm. and to share dishes and to put beautiful family style feasts out and like have a conversation. That is something that hopefully will never go away. You know, I've seen people kind of going, hey, wait a minute, you know, some of the only time that we have in our lives as a family is around the dinner table. In our house, I can say that's true. Like we, 
you know, because we're, we live such crazy lives, we have two kids and of different ages and there's activities and there's school and there's whatever. And there's the dog and there's like all this psycho stuff going on. And there's <laughs> me working 16 hour days and my wife baking really early mornings. And cause she's a pastry chef, uh, sidebar. um, there's a lot going on. And so, you know, a lot of the times we're eating at the kitchen Island and I'm like making dinner for the boys. And then I'm like eating their leftovers. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is insane. <laughs> What are we doing? We're chefs, yes. first of all. <laughs> we love food. We have a respect for food. Right. We have a respect for what food can do as a cultural element. Mm-hmm. So stop. And then we move to the dining room. Yeah. We sit down. We have a proper meal. And I think a lot of families are going through that. Well, I don't think it's part of our culture. I mean, we are fast eaters, and yeah. we we didn't have that culture, I think, to begin with. Maybe to begin with, actually. Maybe it's in your in your cookbook. But I still reflect to the European lifestyle that they always sit around a table and take the time. Yeah. We're a working society, and it has affected that. And I think we are trying to— I think we're pushing back a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, I mean, there's something really special about family time and time with friends that and people that we love, you know, actually sitting down at a table— Opening a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. cooking together, and talking about you know food because uh, that's that's timeless stuff. So you say duck fat could save the world. <laughs> I really want to talk about that because, because I read an article I think in Savoy several years ago, and it won maybe a James Beard Award or something. <laughs> and it was about bacon fat being almost as healthy as olive oil. Uh huh. And of course it wasn't, you know, your traditional bacon fat, probably lean, locally grown, whatever, grass fed pigs, the whole thing nourished. Yeah, beautiful. I think one thing about, we were talking about sustainability, quality, people being educated about what's healthy, what's actually healthy, Um, all carbs and no fats, not healthy. So in your health turnaround, how do you see fat? I think fat is flavor. I mean, fat is delicious. I don't think we can ever get away from appreciating fat. I mean, especially as a, as a chef and a cook, you know, there's a great place and need on the table for fat. What that fat is, I think, is, you know, we can debate or how much duck fat should we eat or, you know, what have you. Um, I don't know. I love I love fat. I think it has an essential duty uh, in kitchens. You know, it typically is a great carrier for flavor. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether that ends up being some potatoes cooked in duck fat or it's mm-hmm. striped bass off the grill drizzled with the best olive oil you can possibly find or, right. you know, whatever. I think there's a place for, for all of it. It's just a matter of paying attention and not overindulging too much. You know? <laughs> uh, but I love all that stuff as much. But as But it's in... good for you in degree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I mean, definitely. the quality of fat is... Got to get those lipids, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of <laughs> it's course. It's good for the skin. It is. <laughs> Lastly, is there any interesting future projects on the horizon or things that you want to see happen in Boston or that you personally want to achieve and things you talk about with uh, at home that you say? Yeah, you know, we, um, we're we shaking things up. Yeah. We're shaking things up this <laughs> summer uh, for sure. But yeah, I think we're kind of really having a moment as a, as a family unit to really kind of appreciate what we have. Time has become my currency. Mm-hmm. So I look at my life and I, you know, uh, just last night we drove out to Great Point with the boys and like went fishing and, you know, had a picnic out there. Oh, and I was like, this is it. Like that I doesn't more, get any more no. than that. How do I create my life so that I get more, more of that? Of that. Um, and that's kind of now where my where my head is at. There's uh, some plays in place to kind of, you know, continue to pursue that stuff. Well, it's been a total pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming in today. Mm-hmm. And Nantucket is lucky to have you back. And I wish you the best of luck in your in your future endeavors. And you have an amazing spirit. It's It's been a pleasure. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. It's been All awesome. Right. Good luck. All right. Thank you for listening. This is Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Tune in every weekend, Saturday and Sunday at 1235 p.m. Cheers. Come on.
And I would like to thank my sponsor, Nantucket Culinary. Food is love. Food is learning. Food is fun. Welcome to Nantucket Culinary.